Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to poker tournament strategy. Now here's your host, Clayton Fletcher. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. I'm your host, Clayton Fletcher, and I want to start off today by just acknowledging the email that went out to all of our TPE members this week. There will be some changes happening with my favorite poker training website, but I want you all to rest assured that we are doing everything we can to keep this podcast going. So we do not have any plans at this time to end the podcast. I'm going to keep it moving. I just love it too much to let it die. So if anyone out there is affiliated with a company or an organization that might want to sponsor this podcast, uh, please hit me up on Twitter at Clayton Comic. Um, Obviously, our demographic is poker players, mostly males aged 30 to 50. So uh, that is the prime demographic, although I have learned in recent months that we have more than one female listener. Also want to just thank you guys for all of the positive, glowing responses to last week's episode featuring poker superstar Daniel Negranu. I hope that some of you were able to get in on the uh, amazing staking offer on Pocket Fives, where Daniel is offering uh, ROI, what he calls an ROI package, which means whatever happens to him this summer at the World Series of Poker, if he wins, you win. If, if he loses, you lose with 0% markup, which is almost unheard of from a player of his caliber. Uh, so I hope that some of you were able to jump in on that. But if not, he's going to be doing more on a daily basis once the World Series of Poker gets started which is very very soon only two weeks until the convention center area at paris and i don't know if it'll be horseshoe or bally's or bally's horseshoe or whatever uh will be flooded with poker players so look for lots of backpacks and water bottles disgruntled facial expressions among those who just took bad beats i'm here for it i can't wait to get to vegas i have a full schedule planned this summer i'm going to take a shot at the housewarming event i'm going to play the six max uh on june 7th i expect to play the wsop freeze out event on june 9th you know i'm not going to miss the millionaire maker or the million dollar bounty you put the word million in it and i'm i'm there okay i have a full slate a full slate planned uh something like 32 tournaments in all for the six and a half weeks that I will be in Vegas. And I'm hoping to play in the Tournament of Champions at the end of the World Series of Poker because that would mean that I had acquired some jewelry. I've been working very hard on my game, studying the great Andrew Brokus, both of his books I'm rereading now as well as watching uh, his Tournament Poker Edge video series, Getting It Right. I'm hoping to get it right myself this summer. I'm really putting in the work and I'm ready to play. And I think it was pretty clear from my conversation with Monsieur Legrandu last week that, yeah, Daniel's ready too. 
By the way, guys, this weekend is that CSOP event that Daniel mentioned last week. There's golf, there's poker. And even though I'm not going to be there, I want you guys to support the CSOP, the Charity Series of Poker, and their big, this is their big event every year, is the St. Jude's fundraiser. So go play some poker, win prizes, have drinks with Daniel Negreanu and other famous people, and just go. Have fun. If you're in Vegas this weekend, that's the place to be. Today, I want to jump right into some strategy. Uh, You know, last week with Daniel, part of the rules of engagement, if you will, for that interview was Daniel wanted everyone to know Mm -hmm. that if you're interested in hearing some fun or peculiar or unusual hands that he played, uh, he wanted me to direct you guys to his YouTube page where he does go over hands uh, and and he goes pretty in-depth with it. So you can really get inside the mind of the guy who is number three on the all-time money list and he's never been accused of cheating. So (laughs) check that out. Uh, It's just Daniel Negreanu on YouTube. You, You can't miss it. Today we're going to jump around a little bit. There was one hand from day three that I wanted to get into that I I haven't discussed on the podcast. I think there's just a lot to learn from this hand. It's late in the day on day three. We're not in the money yet. There are about 1,250 players left and they only pay the top 1,000. The blinds are 2,505 thousand with a five thousand big blind ante and in this hand the action folds to a player named atreon trevino i hope i'm pronouncing his first name correctly everyone just calls him trey so trey makes it thirteen thousand which is a large sizing he makes it thirteen thousand and uh he's only got a hundred and seven thousand more behind so he starts the hand with 120,000. So his M is about 10 and he's got 25 big blinds. He's in the hijack with the king of clubs, 10 of clubs. I I don't mind this open here. I mean, I think that he needs to try to start stealing blinds. Uh, The average stack at this point in the tournament is about 240. So uh, he's only got half the average stack. Uh, He's not able to just fold his way to a min cash. He really needs to get get in there and get after it a little bit here. So I don't mind being a little aggressive uh, in the hijack opening. And I guess opening a little bigger also makes sense because the best result with this hand would be to simply take it down. So he's got the king of clubs, 10 of clubs. He makes it 13,000 and... Two to his left in the cutoff, Javier Fernandez from Spain uh, calls with a hand that I do not yet wish to reveal. And Javier himself only has about 180,000 in his stack. So these players are not playing very deep, right? So uh, everyone else folds and it's going to be heads up. And Hero, Atreon Trevino, with the king 10 of clubs. So let's look at the pot right now. It's 38,500 in there. And Trevino only has 107,000 left behind. So he, he's he got an SPR of right around 2.6, 2.7. So 
So with that type of SPR, if you flop top pair with either your king or your 10, you should be thinking about committing to the pot. Uh, it's just, you can't put in that much of your stack and then consider folding. So if you don't want to create that type of situation, then you should probably either fold the king 10 suited or min raise with it. So uh, this is important. You got to realize the way certain hands play will vary greatly depending on how many chips are behind, aka the SPR. So with 38,500 in the middle and Trevino with only 107,000 left in his stack, the flop comes 10 of hearts, eight of hearts, four of clubs, and Hero has the king 10 of clubs. So this is a well above average flop for our hand. We've got top pair. We've also got a strong kicker with the king of clubs and the four of clubs on the flop gives us a backdoor flush draw as well. So this is a well above average flop. And if you raise with king 10 suited, this is the kind of flop you should be happy to see. So Trevino uh, continues. He C-bets 17,000 into 38.5, which is uh, just under half the pot, of course. And Fernandez in position with a hand that I have yet to reveal makes it 40,000. What to do in Trevino's shoes? Well, if it's Clayton in that spot, I'm not folding. I would probably just move all in a great outcome would be to take down this pot because, I mean, there is a lot to win. There's like 90,000 in there at this point, and we only have another 90 in our stack. So obviously, shoving and winning would be an incredible result. But how likely is it? Well, it's more likely than you may think because we're approaching the bubble, the biggest bubble of the year, the main event bubble. So I think shoving is a good play. It might not be hopeless, you may have the best hand. There are many draws available, such as 9-7, Jack-9. Now, I don't know if those hands would be calling from the cutoff pre-flop, but there's certainly possibilities. Any two hearts has a flush draw, so a hand like Queen-Jack of Hearts makes a ton of sense. Uh, obviously, that particular hand has a ton of equity versus our top pair but it's not really about equity at this point. It's about the fact that with this 17,000 chip bet on the flop, we have officially put in 25% of our stack. Now, if you put in 25% of your stack with top pair and somebody basically min raises you, I don't think you should be in the folding business at that point. Now, if this 17,000 continuation bet on the flop represented five or even 10%, of Trevino's stack, I could understand throwing away the King 10, just, you know, see monsters under my bed, whatever the case may be. I just feel like so many times we're going to be up against some kind of flush draw or combo draw here. And not very often will we be up against a set. We block one of the sets, which is pocket tens. So if he has a set, he's got pocket eights or pocket fours, which both kind of make sense. Although sometimes I think given the short stack that we started with, uh, he might have three bet with at least one of those hands, pocket eights. So we can discount pocket eights a little bit. I think pocket fours are probably in the caller's range. So yeah, we can worry about that. But on balance, 
most of that range is going to be a flush draw with maybe an overcard, stuff like that. And the bottom line is you can't put in 25% of your stack and then fold when you have this much hand. Now here's the bad news. Trevino actually does throw it away. And worst of all, he shows the 10 of clubs. Now on Poker Go, they mentioned on the broadcast that Trey Trevino is actually a black belt in uh, some form of martial arts. So for that reason and for that reason only, I'm going to stop criticizing the way he played this hand. Now, if you're curious, uh, the villain in this hand, Javier Fernandez, actually had the Jack Nine of Hearts. So he flopped an open-ended straight flush draw and was actually a favorite to win the pot. But there's no reason, that's not enough reason, I should say, to throw away King-10 in this situation. This hand really demonstrates how seriously people take day three of the main event. Until that bubble breaks, you can basically get away with all kinds of stuff. I mean, look at the price that Trevino was getting. He bet 17 and Fernandez only raised it to 40. I mean, he really priced in at that point to at least call. And I personally would have shoved. I would have gotten it in as an underdog, of course. But the bottom line, you just can't fold a hand this strong with that much of your stack already in the pot. All right, now we're going to jump ahead. We talked about day day four a bit with my friend Tuck, David Tuckman, who was on uh, about a month ago. So you can go back and listen to his episode again if you're curious about some day four hands that he played, all of which were pretty interesting, to be fair. Uh, let's move on to day five, because to me, that's really where the rubber hits the road. And in this hand, I'm going to show you how a top world-class player who is not just trying to ladder up plays on day five. Uh, the blinds are 15,000 and 30,000 with a 30,000 big blind ante. The average stack at this point is right around 2 million. There are about 300 players remaining in the main event. A player named High Park raises from the cutoff to 65,000, so just one chip above the uh, minimum raise. And he's got the beautiful Ace of Spades, Ace of Diamonds, and 2.3 million in chips. So he's a little bit above average. He's got 80 big blinds. His M is 32. He's doing great. Fold to the big blind, who is a world-class player by the name of Stephen Chidwick from the UK. He has a top 10 stack of 5.6 million. Uh, he's in the big blind. I don't want to say what he has. So let's play as High Park with pocket aces versus the great Stephen Chidwick. The flop, 10 of spades, 6 of clubs, 5 of diamonds. Now with 175,000 in the pot, Stephen Chidwick checks. And it's up to Park holding pocket aces. Uh, I think we can certainly bet here. I would probably put in a pretty healthy bet, maybe like 75, 80,000, a little less than half the pot, uh, and try to get value. Maybe we'll get lucky. Maybe Chidwick has a 10 and he won't be ready to fold it yet. Uh, yeah, I think we, we need to go for the C bet here. We're going to want to C bet on this board at least some of the time with hands like Ace King, Ace Queen, King, Queen, and others. So we also need to have some 
value bets in our range. Park decides to lead for 50000 which is a little small, but totally understandable. And Chidwick, check raises to 125 So he basically clicks it back. What the heck is going on here? What would you do in Park's shoes? So you raise pre-flop, got called by Stephen Chidwick. Flop 1065 rainbow, and Chidwick checks. You bet 50, and now he check raises to 125, and the action is on Hero. Hi, Park. What should we do? Park elects to call, and I think that's the play. I certainly don't like my aces as much as I did a minute ago, though, because what are the bluffs that Chidwick could have? Maybe if he's open-ended with a hand like 8-7, possibly 7-4 suited, I guess, could be in the in the range there, maybe he's got a hand like Jack nine of spades. So he's got three to a straight flush or something, but yeah, there aren't that many bluffs that I can think of. Mostly he's going to be check raising for value, which he can be doing with a top pair hand, something like 10, eight or 10, nine, which also has some straight possibilities. Um, maybe Jack 10, just loving your top pair heads up against a late position open uh, the solvers do say we should be check raising more often with top pair, although I'm not sure that too many pros are actually doing that just yet. But if any of them are, you could certainly put Stephen Chidwick in that range. The bottom line is aces are just too strong to fold meekly at this point in the main event. About 300 players remaining, and I'm up against a world class professional. I'm not folding my aces just because he basically min check raised me on the flop. So let's call and see what develops on the turn. Now with 525,000 in the pot, the turn comes the seven of hearts. So our board is now Badoogie, 10, 6, 5, 7. And Chidwick bets 500,000 into the 525K pot. Okay, so if he has 3, 4, he got there. Um, 4-8 also got there. Hands like 7-6 have now made two pair. 9-8 uh, got there. So this 7 is not a very beautiful card at all. And the fact that he is polarizing himself by betting 500,000 into the 525 pot is really representing a hand that is much stronger than just a pair of 10s. So he's got at least two pair if he's doing this for value and his bluffs, I mean, I don't know. What are the bluffs? I'm having trouble thinking of the bluffs. How about you? Anyway, uh, with that in mind, maybe we should just throw our aces away. I don't know. I think this decision is pretty darn close. It is hard to fold and over pair. We're drawing dead against a straight and extremely thin against a set. Uh, and we're doing a little better than that against two pair, but obviously we are behind. So what else does he have for value? Maybe uh, Chidwick could have a slow played pocket kings, pocket queens, and want to play it this way. I'm not sure. Most solvers would have us mostly three betting our big pairs pre-flop with 80 big blinds effective. So, uh, And I know that Chidwick tends to study poker through the lens of game theory optimization, which is not to say that he would never do something exploitative, but 
mostly he's going to be playing like a, a robot computer. And so we have to wonder whether he can really have pocket queens or pocket kings in his range. So the aces are really starting to shrivel up. Park makes the call. Would you have called or are you ready to fold your aces? Uh, now with 1.5 million in the middle, Park only has 1.6 million behind. So basically just over a pot size bet. And the river comes the ace of clubs and Chidwick fires a third barrel, 1.6 million enough to put Park all in. Now, what do you want to do? I know we made a set, but we're still losing to a straight. Remember, we got check raised on the flop and then a pot size bet on the turn when the scare card came in. And now he's not slowing down when the ace hits the river. Now, do you want to fold your pocket aces? In my opinion, we can't just because I think that Chidwick would probably play some of his sets this way. And now we can beat all the sets. We're going to sometimes bust out of the main event with three aces when Chidwick has a straight. But if we made it this far, and I'm not sure I would have, I think that we have to pay off on the end. Uh, that's what Park does. And he is thrilled to see that Stephen Chidwick had the Queen of Diamonds, Eight of Clubs. So let's review the hand now that we know what Chidwick had. So he's got a Queen Eight offsuit in the big blind, but obviously getting the price he was getting, it's a very standard uh, defend from the big blind. So he calls. And then the flop was 10, 6, 5. And Chidwick decided to check raise the C bet with just queen eight. So now when you first look at this, that might seem incredibly strange, but if you really analyze it, this is a great play by Chidwick. Uh, I'm not sure about the sizing. I don't really prefer such a tiny sizing and pricing people in like that, but obviously he's got a three barrel bluff planned a large percentage of the time. Anytime Chidwick picks up equity, on the turn, he plans to fire a pot size bet on 4th Street and usually follow it up with a river bluff, depending on how exactly the cards shake out. But yeah, think of all the cards that can improve Chidwick's equity on 4th Street. So many cards give him either a gut shot or an open ender, like the seven that hit actually gave him an open-ended straight draw, but he also gets a straight draw with a nine or a jack or a four and what have you. He could also maybe improve and take the lead sometimes with a queen, like if Park has a hand like ace-10 or king-10. So there's a lot going on here for Chidwick, considering it's just a 10-6-5 board. It's hard to see at first glance, but this is actually a pretty good flop for him to start thinking about a bluffing strategy. Also, it's pretty deceptive when the straight does come in. He could probably get paid a lot because suppose it comes 7-4. Well, what are you telling me, Steve? You have a 3 or an 8? How do you check raise the flop with a 3 or an 8 in your hand? Well, the answer is you're Stephen Chidwick and you see everything <laughs> that the rest of us don't. I'm wondering whether Chidwick's bluff actually would have worked if Park had a different overpair, something like pocket queens or pocket kings, and then that ace hits the river, and rather than giving Park three of a kind, it puts another scare card on the board. 
So I really like this play by Stephen Chidwick. He had a top 10 overall stack to start the hand, bluffed half of it off, putting a less experienced opponent who might be thinking about climbing a ladder to the ultimate test in the main event. Okay, let's do one more quick one from this same level. Uh, George Holmes uh, has 2.7 million. He's got about a little more than an average stack at this point. Uh, he raises to 65,000 from early position. Now it's important to note that George Holmes has probably been the tightest player at this table. This is a different table, by the way. Instead of Stephen Chidwick's table, we're now looking at Nick Petrangelo's table, although he's not involved in this hand. So George Holmes raises from early position, and he has been, as I say, very quite, very tight thus far. And a player named Robert E. Lee <laughs> calls from the cutoff with 1.8 million in his stack. So these guys are both right around the average stack. George a little bigger and Lee a little smaller. The blinds fold. We've got plenty of play. There's only 205,000 in the middle. And the flop comes King of Diamonds, Seven of Hearts, Deuce of Clubs. Now, I haven't told you what either player had yet, and that's by design. The action is on Holmes, the original Razor, and he bets 80,000, at which point Robert E. Lee raises to 220,000, and Holmes, three bets to 850,000. So again, I have not told you what anyone has, but the flop was King Seven Deuce Rainbow about the most innocuous flop you can imagine. And Holmes, C-bet, Lee raised, and then Holmes put in a huge re-raise. Lee folded. So ask yourself, what do you think these guys have on King Seven Deuce? And I think you'll be surprised to learn that Holmes, the original raiser, and the guy who three-bet so big on this flop had pocket eights. <laughs> and he was actually ahead as Lee had the Ace of Hearts, Queen of Hearts, and yes, there was one heart on the flop. So, Holmes did a C-bet with a pair above middle pair, got raised as a bluff, and then re-bluffed. So, these are the fun hands. <laughs> I don't really think that the sizing is good here. I don't mind Lee's sizing on the flop, but I certainly think that Holmes can do a lot less with his pocket eights and get the same information. Some of the time he's going to be up against a monster, but I think that Holmes correctly figured out that Lee should not be raising with too many hands on this board. He can't really have two pair, right? He doesn't flat call from the cutoff with king seven or king deuce or seven deuce. So the next question would be, would he just raise it up with a hand like king jack? And I don't think that he necessarily would. And if he does, then how does he like getting three bet, right? And he can't have ace king because he would almost certainly have three bet with that hand pre-flop. So does he ever have a set? I think most players would slow play a set on such a dry board. So that was a fun one. And I don't think that any solver would ever tell George Holmes to get raised to 220 and make it 850 on King Seven Deuce holding pocket eight. But that's what happened and it worked out for him this time. 
That'll do it for this episode. You guys are the absolute greatest. I promise to do everything in my power to keep this podcast going. And for everyone here at Tournament Poker Edge, I'm Clayton Fletcher. Thank you so much for listening. I wanna hold them like they do in Texas plays. Fold them, let them hit me, raise it, baby, stay with me. Lock in intuition, play the cards with babes to start. And after she's been hooked, I'll play the one that's on her heart. Love it, it's not rough, it isn't fun, fun.